to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So Phil's really nice. I told him, I said, Phil, you can say whatever you want about the pick. This is an opportunity to defend yourself. Over the last couple weeks, he's been taking some abuse for his officiating. Anyways, he mentioned something. He said, like, all you got to bring is yourself in a chair. And I'm just going to add to that just a little bit. Bring, no, if you're going to play a game, bring your A game, okay? Especially the youth. Like, I'm serious. We've been going after you guys. Better show up, all right? Bring your A game. If you're going to play, right? If you're going to do anything, might as well win, right? Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about the picnic. Uh, it really is a good time. Look forward to seeing you all there. So 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Let me read those to you. Apostle John writes the following. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again together in the name of Christ. We're grateful that, Lord, we could sing your praises, that we can have fellowship with one another, and we're grateful that we can open up your word and read it freely. And we ask that you would take this word and sow it into our hearts, that it might bear fruit, that it might encourage us that it might build up our faith, that it would help us so that we might be more discerning between the truth and lies. So God, would you please guide us and lead us in our time in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this section of scripture, I think, is, is very important for us to read, to understand, and apply to our lives. And I probably could say that about every section of Scripture. I could probably begin every message by saying something like this. But um, in light of even what Phil was speaking to the graduating seniors, I think a section of Scripture like this is not just helpful for them, but it's helpful for all of us. It's helpful and it's important because we live in a culture where you can get 
any and all the information that you could possibly desire, and then not even desire, but still get that information, really by just looking at our phones, searching for something, or just going to some social media site, because those things are wired in many ways to put information before us, not just things about our friends, but they they have a way of just finding things that we like or things that we might like or just sort of out there that we should know whether it's true or not. They just have a way of just putting it before us. People we know also pass along information on a daily basis that they think is true, that they think is important, that they think is good for others to know, that they think we should know. All this information is meant to inform us so that we might buy into it, live it out, that it might affect our lives and the way in which we look at this world. The problem with all of this information is that it's not all true. Kind of a secret, kind of letting out there. Just just because it's on the internet, just because you see it on a social media site, just because a news station has posted something, it it doesn't mean it's true. There is a lot of false information that just gets circulated to the world and us on a daily basis. Just because a book falls under the category of Christian living doesn't mean that it's actually true and biblical. Just because someone claims to be a pastor and happens to lead a church doesn't mean that what he's actually saying at times is true and is good for us. And the same is true for us. Just because we claim to be Christians, it doesn't mean that everything we say, everything we teach and post is true and biblical. My wife and I were having a conversation about this uh, just the other day as we were probably looking at something on social media and somebody took something and they posted it on one of their stories. And it was a great quote And my thought to her was, you know, that quote actually has a context. But when you take a quote out of context and you just sort of flash it out for the world to see, we don't all get that context. And most people aren't even thinking, wow, this has a context. And then sometimes that quote goes out and it's sort of misleading in some ways because it doesn't have the context with it. And sometimes it's being addressed or it's addressing people who are going to read it in the wrong way think about it wrongly, or sometimes that quote is meant to be corrective for somebody out there. Information just gets passed along, and we're the ones that pass that information along, and sometimes we can look at those things and just think, everything's true because this person's saying it or that person posted it. But sometimes faithful Christians get caught up in errors, and they pass these errors along to others as if They're really true. And if we're not discerning between truth and error, we too can get caught up in these lies. So John wrote this section of Scripture to help believers to be discerning. To be discerning between what is true and what is not true. To be discerning between false teachers and true teachers. To be discerning between Christ and the Antichrist. To be discerning between what is actually from God and what is not from God, but 
from this world or even the evil one. What we're going to learn this morning from John is that we must be discerning. We must be discerning between what is true and what is false, what is actually from God and what is actually from this world. And so we're going to dig into that truth this morning by taking a look at four points in regards to discernment. In our first point, we learned that we shouldn't believe everything we hear and read. Has anybody ever heard that before? Hopefully you have. I grew up and my dad had this saying, I'm not going to repeat it, but it just had something to do with don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see or something like that. And he would just say it over and over again to us as we were growing up. But, but what we learn here from John is, is don't believe everything you hear and everything you read. Verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so again, John has used this word beloved several times, and he's going to use it again before he finishes this letter. And what this word just really communicates is that he really loves the people that he's writing this letter to. That he really cares about the recipients of this letter. He cares for them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He cares for them. He's also old when he was writing this letter as sort of he sees them as his, as his little children because he affectionately cares for them. He cares for what they think about. He cares how they're living out their faith, how they're picking up a cross and following Jesus. He cares for them so much that he doesn't want them to be picked off by all the false teachers out there seeking to disrupt their faith. Seeking to sow seeds of deception amongst their church and lead them astray. He wanted them to be aware that, that not everyone who claims to be from God is actually from God. This is why he tells us, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Behind every prophet, behind every teacher, is a spirit. Now to simplify it, what this means is that nothing is neutral. And so he's sort of equipping his readers, and God is equipping us here, is, is when words come out of people's mouths, when words come out of pastors' mouths, when words come out of talking heads' mouths, when the teachers at your school begin to speak, they're not, they're not just sort of speaking in a neutral way. There's something behind that. And so he's kind of pulling back the curtain. He's trying to help us see it's either from God or it's not. It's either going to be true or it's not. It's either going to be of the spirit of God or it's going to be of the spirit of this world or of the spirit of the evil one. And he's calling for us to be discerning. No teaching out there just exists sort of on its own. It all has a source. That's why John tells us, do not believe every spirit. So I, I sort of just changed it to don't believe everything you hear or read. But the way John wants us to see is don't, don't believe every spirit. Test every spirit. In a sense, what he's saying, test every teaching. Pay close attention to what you hear and test it. Examine it. See where it's coming from. See what kind of effect it's going to have on you and others. And if your teaching, 
Pay close attention to what you're saying. See where it's leading people. See, these commands to not believe and test, they, they call us to this continuous action. It's not just this one-time thing that God has called us to do. It's something we're called to do all the time. We're not to believe these things that don't come from God. We're called to test continually with vigilance. Not a one-time thing. The word test also carries with it this idea of putting something, in this case, teaching and information, through a rigorous examination to find out if it's actually true or not. And honestly, when I was listening to Phil, I was just thinking, it takes work, doesn't it? It's a lot of work to test information, to test teaching. And that's what Phil was getting at with these seniors and sort of charging them. Don't grow weary in that. Examine those things. But it's not just for graduating seniors who are heading off to college and are going to be thrown before these professors who are going to teach them certain things from their worldview. It's a call for all of us. Because we find ourselves being bombarded with information, with teaching all the time. Spiritual and sort of just worldly, it could be political, it could be whatever it is, there's just, there's, there's just teaching. It could be ESPN, where you think you're just getting sports and you're not. There's a worldview that's being communicated through the talking heads or through the pastors or through the authors that are writing the books that you're reading or the professors that you sit before. And, and we're called to rigorously examine what they're saying and find out if it's true or not. And it takes work. It's what God's called us to. We're not called to just sort of accept everything at face value. We need to test everything and find out if it's true or not, especially, especially when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ. John tells us one of the reasons we need to test everything is because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. We don't know how many, but when he uses the word many prophets have gone out into the world, many false prophets have gone out, it, it's sort of just this warning where he's saying they're out there. False teachers exist and they're living life all around us. False prophets are proclaiming a false message with a desire to pick people off and lead them away from Jesus Christ. There have been false prophets, false teachers around since the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve were in the garden enjoying the goodness of God and then all of a sudden the evil one comes along, comes along and deceives them and leads them astray. In the Old Testament, you know what would happen to false prophets? They were stoned. Today, God calls for us to not stone false prophets, but to discern them. To call out false prophets and teachers and condemn their lies. Because their lies actually have consequences. Because their lies actually do lead people away from trusting in Jesus Christ. 
because their lies actually deceive people into believing something that's not true or they get to put their hope in something that will never lead them to a right relationship with God. Their lies give a false hope. See, false teaching is, is never good. It's never good. It always leads people away. Always leads them away from Jesus. David Allen writes the following. He says, Satan's plan is to distort true doctrine. We should consider not only the source of false doctrine, but the danger of false doctrine. False doctrine denies true doctrine. False doctrine distorts truth. False doctrine deceives. This is why we don't believe everyone and believe everything everyone says, but instead we test it. We examine it. We trust God to help us discern what is true and what is not true. This leads us to our second point where we learn that truth from God will be rooted and grounded in the truth about Jesus. Truth from God will be rooted and grounded in the truth about Jesus Christ. So our culture is kind of okay with saying things like, what is true for you is good for you, but it might not be true for me. So let that be true for me as well. And as long as we're all okay with just sort of you have your truth over here and you can have your truth over here and we can just sort of live without ever letting those truths sort of see each other and collide with each other. And as long as the truth sort of fits the world and the masses, then that truth sort of wins out. But that's sort of the culture we live in is you can have your truth. Let me have my truth, and that person over there can keep their truth, and we're just sort of going to live, and we'll just sort of walk around each other, and they say that's okay. This way of thinking might work. It might work if God wasn't real, and there was really no such thing as judgment, and there wasn't really such thing as hell and heaven. But God is real, and so is his judgment, and so is heaven and hell. Therefore, truth really matters, doesn't it? And since he's real, we don't get to define truth. We don't get to define truth. That's not a message that the world we live in will, will, will proclaim to us in that way. We, we don't get to define truth. God is the one who defines truth. He's the creator of all things. He's the one that's holding this world together. He's the one who gets and has defined all things. He doesn't submit anything to us for our opinion. On how this world should be run. He, he already knows how this thing should be run. He already knows how he created us in his image after his likeness. He knows how we work because he created us to work in a certain way. He created us to live in a certain way. He created us to trust in Jesus. For the forgiveness of all of our sins. So that we might be forgiven, declared righteous, and brought into a right relationship with God. So that we might enjoy heaven with all the saints worshiping Jesus. He, he's defined that. See, he tells us how a person gets saved. 
He tells us where we find our hope. He defines hope. Because he's God. He's the creator of all things. And in verse 2 and 3, he teaches us how we're to discern truth from error. He said this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. See, what he's doing is he's trying to make growing and discernment simple for us. As we look out there at this world and all the false teaching that could possibly exist, he's sort of boiling it down and, and drawing our attention to Jesus. How do we know if something is true or not? How do we know if something is from God or is from the Antichrist or from this world? And and what John is saying is look at Christ. What does this person believe about Jesus? Do they believe what God has said or who God has said Jesus is? Do they confess that Jesus is actually God who came into this world and was fully God and fully man. That was, a, that was a specific aspect of the gospel that John was drawing his readers' attention to. He was saying, okay, you have false teachers all around you, but, but what are they saying about Jesus? Are they saying true things about him? Because if they're not saying true things about him, then the chances are they're not true teachers teaching truth. If they don't believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man, then then John would say, they're false, they're fake, they're teaching you something that's not true. See, Christianity, it's built on the good news about Jesus Christ. It's built on the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man, who came into this world and he lived in our place, a perfect life, never having sinned. Yet, going to a cross to pay the penalty for our sins by dying on that cross. Exhausting the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to experience wrath, but instead experience mercy. And after he died on the third day, God raised him from the dead in victory over all of our sins. Giving us hope of eternal life and a real relationship with God. So Christianity is built upon that gospel. It's built upon what we believe about Jesus Christ. Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe this about Jesus. They teach that Jesus was a God, lowercase g, but not God. They say he was a good person who was created by God. They're wrong. And they teach false things about God. And they lead people astray. Mormons don't believe this about Jesus either. They believe Jesus, before his incarnation, was created being, was a created being and the brother of Lucifer. They also teach that Jesus was conceived not by the Holy Spirit, by some other God, again, lowercase g, and that he was the husband of Mary and Martha. They too are wrong in leading people astray. Islam also doesn't consider Jesus to be divine. And again, anyone who believes and teaches this 
is a false prophet. Every world religion and cult denies that Jesus is the Son of God, who has come in the flesh being fully God and fully man. If we're going to be discerning people of the truth that comes from God, then we must be rooted and grounded in the gospel. And I would say, this is why it's really important to be gospel-centered and not just let that be a tagline. We can't just say, yeah, we're gospel-centered, but we're not actually centered on the gospel. We stay centered on the gospel because Christianity is built on the gospel. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. So the application would be this. Study the gospel. Study Jesus. This leads us to our third point where we learn that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us away from lies and keep us in the truth. The Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us in the truth. If there's any fear of being deceived by false teaching or any concern about being able to discern false teaching on our own, this verse, verse 4, it's a gift that God has given to us to encourage us. It says this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What a gift. Daniel Atkins said the following, he said, The opposition of Satan, the world system that daily assaults us, false teachers that seek to seduce us, falsy worldviews that attempt to confuse us, and our own sinfulness that yearns to enslave us is divinely ordained to fail. That's why verse 4 is such a gift. Because you think about it, and, and honestly, I feel this way, and so... Fear really comes into my mind sometimes. When I think about all the information and all the books I read, and I'm talk, talking about Christian books and the information I get out there, it's like you get to a point, and I would say probably over the last couple of years, where it's just like, can anybody just say something that's true? Like my, That's where my mind goes sometimes. I really honestly like turn on the news or pull up Facebook or social media or whatever and just, just trying to get information, and it's like, can we just agree on something that would just be true and somebody just be honest for a moment and just say, yeah, this is, this is true. We're good on this. And, and I can just begin to think as, as I move into what it means to follow Christ, sometimes it can be overwhelming and fear can really set into my heart. But where I land ultimately is what verse 4 teaches us here. My hope to not be deceived, my hope for you, if you're a genuine child of God, meaning having been saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone, is not ultimately in your own ability to discern, but in God. But in God, who is in you, is what verse 4 says, and he is greater than this world. And so all of these false teachers, as old Daniel Atkin would say, all of the schemes of the evil one that surround us, that would like nothing more than to pick us off, they're, they're all sort of been ordained, divinely ordained by God to fail. That means they're not ultimately going to prevail. Why? Because they're not greater than God. God actually knows what he's doing. He does. He created this whole thing. 
He doesn't, he doesn't learn new things and have to switch up his plan to sort of say, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming in 2020 or 2023, therefore I'm going to have to do this. He's got a purpose and a plan, and it began before creation, and it will end. And he's at work in his people. His spirit dwells in us. It guides us. It leads us. It protects us. That's part of what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't mean we shouldn't test. It doesn't mean we shouldn't examine these truths or these lies that are being thrown out there. But, but we do that ultimately by trusting in God to protect us. God to lead us. He's greater than the one who is in this world. That's where our confidence is. This leads us to the fourth and final point. As we seek to grow in discernment. Number four is we will grow in discernment as we grow in hearing, knowing, and applying God's word. Verse five says they are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So in these verses, what John is doing is he's comparing and contrasting the talking heads of the world at the time. The people of the world speak from the world and the world listens to them. Not good. And then he transitions, he says, but whoever knows God listens to us. And what he's talking about there is you listen to him. You listen to the other apostles. You listen to the ones that God breathed out his word and into that somehow we ended up with this. And so what he's saying is the talking heads, the false teachers, they're, they're just coming up with worldly wisdom and the world loves it. Because it appeals to the world. It sort of makes sense to the world, but, but it leads the world astray. But all of God's children, what he's saying is, is, is they, they give themselves to this. They have a life in this. They fight to read this. They, they, they look to study this. They look to examine these truths and things that people are claiming to be true that come their way with this. This is a gift that God has given to us. God speaks to us through his word from every single page. Even those pages that you find confusing. And just a little secret. So, you know, Ezekiel is very, very hard for me been a Christian for over 20 years, and I've gone after that thing in different ways. I've read it. I've tried to do different things slowly. I've gone to listening to it. When I do my Bible reading, trying to read the whole thing in a year, and I hit Ezekiel, I have to like, I honestly, I just have to gear up. I don't know what it is. It's just there. I find it really difficult. I've read commentaries on it. It's just difficult for me for some reason, but I'm fighting. But you know why I try to continue to read it? Because God spoke it, and he's given it to us, and I trust one day it's going to have a significant impact upon my life. But I continue to do it because this is all of God's word. 
And he says this, or Paul writes this, 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God. What that means is he breathed these words out and into holy men. So we're reading 1 John. That means God, God breathed these words out into the Apostle John for the Apostle John to write those words down according to his life and his personality, but it, but it comes out as God's word, his exact words that he wanted written down so John could write them to his readers and that his readers would read them, but not just his readers, but every believer throughout history would benefit from it. So God breathed these things out, and he says this, they're profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. His words just accomplish his purposes. They train us. They mature us. They grow us. They, they help us grow in discernment. Psalm 19, verse 7 says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You want to grow in wisdom? That's like my number one prayer for me and for our church. Lord, give us wisdom. Because every day is like a mystery sometimes. I don't know what, what I'm going to experience. Feels like, what, do I go right or right? I go left. Well, when you got to go right or you got to go left, what do you need to make that decision? Wisdom. Well, where do we get wisdom? God just told us. Psalm 19, verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure it makes wise the simple. I'm simple. I put myself in that category. I just need to be wise. So we look to God's word. Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. How many of you ever looked at a worthless thing? That's all of us. We did it today when we woke up. There was something out there. Our eyes met. We looked at something. It's just worthless. But the Lord has called us. He just says, okay, and so this prayer, Lord, turn my eyes. I don't want to give myself to worthless things, to false teachers and false truths that would lead me away. I don't want to follow those people. And then he goes and he says, give me life in your ways. Well, what are your ways? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's his word. It's what he's communicated to us, what he's given to us. True wisdom, discernment, and life, it's found in God's word. It, it's a gift. And sometimes, listen, I get it. Sometimes it's a fight. So if you find yourself in a season where it's like, I know that to be true, but but I'm struggling just to get in there. I'm struggling to just, to just have a life in God's right. I, I, I'm struggling to find time. You're, you're not the only person to walk through that. And sometimes people can feel condemned for feeling that way. I, I know believers who've been a believer for a very long time, pastors. These are guys I look up to who share testimonies of walking through prolonged seasons of dryness. In God's word. And when I hear them say that, that encourages me. Because not every time I open up God's word do I just like, yeah, this is awesome. Or do I walk away thinking, wow, I just heard from the Lord. I would say those moments are, are, are just, they're small in my life. But, but I fight those, those temptations to want to walk away from or not give myself to it. 
by the truth of those verses that I just shared with you. It's been breathed out by God. It's profitable. And I've got to remind myself, a lot of times my devotion just starts that way. And I just say, Lord, this is profitable. Help me to find it profitable. Speak to me, Lord, throughout your word. May something just grab a hold of my heart and change me just and make me a little bit more like Christ today. I say all that to say that John encourages us. We're called to be discerning. And God has given us his spirit to guide us and lead us. That we might be discerning, but he's also given us his word. And so may by the grace of God, we we find a life in God's word. We store it up in our hearts. Meaning we just kind of read it over and over again. We memorize it. We just find these little truths. And we just, just let them stick there. And sometimes I just file them away. And, and I just pray, Lord willing, that shows up one day when I need it. And it does. The Lord is kind and he's gracious to us. I encourage us, church, Build a life in God's word. Store it in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Let let his word define what is true. That it might expose all the lies that exist all around us. And by the grace of God, may we honor him in all that we do. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I ask that you would just, Lord, breathe life into us. Fill us all with your spirit. Lord, revive dry hearts. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength to persevere. Lord, where maybe there's some among us that have just decided I'm I'm not reading this anymore. Lord, I pray that you you would give them life. And when they open up your word and they just start to read, they would trust you. And those words would jump off the page and grab a hold of their hearts. Lord, your word is not like a magazine. It's not like some book that we might pick up at a bookstore or get off Amazon or anything like that. Lord, your book is living. It's active. It's your words. And so, Lord, may we just enjoy being in your word And Lord, may your word guide us and lead us and may your spirit protect us. And may we honor you in all that we say and do as we seek to live our lives for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. We're going to take just a few minutes. If you'd like prayer, um, sickness, suffering, any of that kind of stuff, we're going to meet in room 112 in just a few minutes to pray together and the rest of us rest of you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you at the church picnic.